Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of Circle of Willis from the Neurology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 59-year-old male presents with sensory changes on the right side of his face, left side of his body, and dizziness. He also reports some trouble with swallowing, and his wife noticed that his voice sounds hoarse. Past medical history is significant for hypertension and type 2 diabetes mellitus. On physical examination, there is a right-sided Horner syndrome. Uvula is deviated towards the left. There is right-sided vocal cord paralysis and absence of elevation of the right palate during phonation. There is loss of pain sensation on the right-sided face and left-sided trunk and limbs. This is a case of lateral medullary syndrome. Let's now get into the topic. In this topic, we'll discuss each and every artery as it relates to the circle of Willis, the syndrome that it's related to, and the respective clinical presentation. The first artery is the anterior spinal artery. The syndrome that it's related to is the medial medullary syndrome. In this syndrome, the clinical presentation is as follows. Ipsilateral paralysis of the hypoglossal nerve, contralateral hemiparesis of the upper and lower extremity, and medial lemniscus, marked by decreased contralateral vibration and proprioception. The next artery is the posterior inferior cerebellar artery, or the PICA. This artery is involved in the lateral medullary syndrome. With respect to the clinical presentation in this syndrome, it involves ipsilateral manifestations such as facial loss of pain and temperature, ataxia involving the arm and leg along with the gait, hoarseness, dysphagia, Horner syndrome, contralateral manifestations including pain and temperature hemisensory loss, along with nausea, nystagmus, vomiting, and vertigo. The next artery is the anterior inferior cerebellar artery, or the AICA. This is involved in the lateral pontine syndrome. In this syndrome, you would notice ipsilateral manifestations including facial paralysis, loss of lacrimation, reduced salivation, loss of corneal reflex, loss of sensation of the anterior two-thirds of the tongue, Horner's syndrome, sensory neural hearing loss, and loss of facial pain and temperature. You would also notice contralateral manifestations including pain and temperature hemisensory loss. The next artery is the posterior cerebral artery. With respect to the clinical presentation of pathology related to this artery, you would notice contralateral homonymous hemianopia with macular sparing. The next artery is the middle cerebral artery. Pathology related to this artery would involve contralateral manifestations, including facial paralysis and sensory loss, upper extremity weakness and sensory loss, hemineglect if there is a stroke in the non-dominant hemisphere, and aphasia if there is a stroke in the dominant hemisphere, particularly the Broca's area. The next artery is the anterior cerebral artery. Pathology related to this artery would clinically present with contralateral manifestations such as lower extremity weakness and sensory loss. The next artery is the posterior communicating artery. Pathology related to this artery would clinically present with ipsilateral compression leading to cranial nerve 3 palsy. This would present with a down and out eye and medriasis. The next artery is the lenticular striate artery. Pathology associated with this artery would clinically present with contralateral manifestations including motor hemiparesis and hemisensory loss. There would be a lack of cortical signs with no aphasia or neglect. The penultimate artery on the list is the basilar artery. This artery is associated with the locked-in syndrome. In this syndrome, you would notice quadriplegia, 
preserved reticular formation, intact vertical eye movement, and intact blinking. And finally, the last artery is the anterior communicating artery. Pathology associated with this artery can cause compression of the optic chiasm, which would cause bitemporal hemianopia. If this artery is ruptured, it would cause ischemia in the anterior cerebral artery territory. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 72-year-old man is being transported by emergency medical services to the emergency department for a stroke code. He was found on the ground by his daughter earlier today, and he was last known to be without neurological deficits two hours prior to presentation. His temperature is 99 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 185 over 105 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 102 per minute and respirations are 18 per minute. A non-contrast head CT is performed, which demonstrates a hypodense lesion affecting the left medial frontal and parietal lobe. Which of the following will most likely be found on physical exam? 1. Contralateral hemiparesis. 2. Contralateral lower extremity weakness. 3. Contralateral upper extremity weakness. 4. Hemineglect. Or 5. Wernicke aphasia. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 2, contralateral lower extremity weakness. This patient is presenting with an ischemic stroke affecting the medial, frontal, and parietal lobe, which is supplied by the anterior cerebral artery, or the ACA. Of the choices, the patient will present with contralateral lower extremity weakness. Remember, the anterior cerebral artery supplies the medial portion of the brain from the frontal pole to the parieto-occipital sulcus. The medial portion of the motor and sensory cortex results in contralateral lower extremity movement and sensory perception, respectively. Therefore, occlusion of this vessel can result in weakness and sensory loss of the affected extremity. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, contralateral hemiparesis is more likely to be seen in a lenticulostriate artery stroke. Answer choice 3, contralateral upper extremity weakness will be seen in a middle cerebral artery stroke. Answer choice 4, hemineglect will be seen in a middle cerebral artery stroke affecting the non-dominant hemisphere. And finally, answer choice 5, Wernicke aphasia can be seen in a middle cerebral artery stroke affecting the dominant hemisphere. In summary, an ischemic stroke affecting the anterior cerebral artery presents with contralateral lower extremity muscle weakness and sensory loss. Next question. A 75-year-old male is brought to the emergency room by his daughter due to slurred speech and a drooping eyelid on the right side. This morning, he had difficulty eating his breakfast and immediately called his daughter for help. She says that his voice also seems different. His temperature is 99 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 120 over 78 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 90 per minute. Respirations are 21 per minute. And pulse oximetry is 98% on room air. On physical exam, he is oriented to time and place. There is right-sided nystagmus and he has difficulty with point-to-point -point movement. Where is the lesion responsible for his symptoms most likely located? One anterior spinal artery, 2. posterior inferior cerebellar artery, 3. anterior cerebral artery, 
four, anterior inferior cerebellar artery, or five, basilar artery. And the correct answer choice is answer choice two, posterior inferior cerebellar artery. This patient with dysphagia, hoarseness, dysmetria, nystagmus, and ptosis has Wallenberg syndrome due to a blockage of the posterior inferior cerebellar artery. Remember, the posterior inferior cerebellar artery provides circulation to the lateral medulla including the vestibular nuclei, lateral spinothalamic tract, nucleus ambiguous, sympathetic fibers, and inferior cerebellar peduncle. This patient's ptosis is due to disruption of the descending sympathetic fibers which results in Horner's syndrome. Typically, patients present with ipsilateral loss of pain and temperature sensation of the face and the same sensory deficit in the contralateral trunk and limb. Involvement of the nucleus ambiguous causes hoarseness and dysphagia while the cerebellar involvement leads to dysmetria. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, occlusion of the paramedian branches of the anterior spinal artery can result in contralateral paralysis of the upper and lower limbs as well as ipsilateral hypoglossal dysfunction. This is called medial medullary syndrome. Answer choice 3, occlusion of the anterior cerebral artery would result in contralateral paralysis and sensory loss in the lower limbs. Answer choice 4, occlusion of the anterior inferior cerebellar artery leads to lateral pontine syndrome with effects related to the facial nucleus such as paralysis of the face, decreased lacrimation, and salivation. Patients also have ataxia and dysmetria. And finally, answer choice 5, occlusion of the basilar artery results in locked-in syndrome due to involvement of the brainstem from the pons to the lower midbrain. Patients have preserved consciousness and quadriplegia and preserved vertical eye movements. In summary, Wallenberg syndrome is a result of occlusion of the posterior inferior cerebellar artery and presents with hoarseness, dysphagia, and Horner's syndrome. And that's all for this review about the circle of Willis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.